Welcome to Living Fullness, a podcast where two unusual friends explore all things friendship, relationships, and the Christian life. My name is Dina Constantine. And I'm Father Sean Burns. And each month we bring you a guest, someone who will share their experience and strengths with us, helping us to learn, grow, and to live life to the full. Welcome back to yet another episode of Living Fullness. Whether you're listening in through your earpiece, in your car, or in your home, or through our YouTube channel, you are most welcome. Padre, we have another exciting guest on the podcast today. We do. We do. We have with us today Deacon Connell Perry. Uh, Deacon Connell, when did, you, when did you join the seminar? Is 2014? 2014, yes. Yes, yeah. Yeah, right. That was my last year. We, were, we, we just Ooh. overlapped. Overlapped. We just yep, overlapped. That's right. Uh, and uh, and then I popped back to the seminary about a year and a half later. And you were forming And, and I was forming you. So <laughs> Went from, yep, so same, same, same to, yeah, not so same, same. <laughs> right. uh, and uh, so you began, you, you grew up, or you were born at least, in Alice Springs, is that right? That is right, yeah, yep, okay. yep, in Alice and Springs, uh, middle of nowhere. Middle of nowhere, yep. yep. And then when did you move to Wagga? Okay, so my family and I moved to Wagga, it was in 2000, 2001. So we came down for a holiday um, during the Easter time. The Missionaries of Charity advised, you know, Dad would be a great place to go for a holiday. I think the secret design was to try and get us to move there, (laughs) which ultimately did happen. Dad was so impressed with the diocese, you know, the priests and just how vibrant the place was. He went, yep, we're moving. So about three months after that holiday, we were there. Yeah, right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and, uh, And you are a deacon. Yes, I am a yes, deacon, or yes. as um, as they say at the cathedral, just a deacon. <laughs> <laughs> just a deacon. <laughs> so yes, but yeah, no, it's been been a deacon for the last eight months now. Yep. The ordination day was on December the 11th, so in about a month's time from today, then we'll have the priestly ordination. Which yes, I'm very yes, excited. Very, for. very yeah. exciting. Very yeah. exciting. So Very by the cool. time this podcast airs, it'll only be a few days out. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. So, there you go. Yes. so mm. be praying for this man. Yeah, yeah. That when would you be wonderful. It. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about we start then with telling us a little bit about what your day looks like? What, do, what does a day in the life of a deacon okay. look like? Good question. So what does a deacon actually do? What is a deacon first off? So deacon literally means a servant. So your job is to sort of carry out those acts of service, which are so important part of ministry and holy orders. And so a normal day really is helping out the priests in the parish. You're really also the closest helpers of the bishop as well, which is why it's good for a deacon to be close to the bishop. So it gives a chance to really learn those things that you need for ministry. So normal day for me, well, it starts off with opening the church. So that's normally a 6 a.m. start, so a bit icy at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But um, then, you know, you've got your daily mass. And so part of that, you assist at the altar there doing things that a deacon does. So you read the gospel. You also help with the preparation of the gifts and things like that. Um, Also preaching. So part of what deacons can do is preach in the context of the liturgy. And so that's been a real joy to begin doing that, you know, being able to break open the word of God for people and, mm. you know, share, you know, that the, what our Lord is trying to tell us on a daily basis. So that's been a really wonderful part of being a deacon. Ministry-wise as well, we're allowed to do weddings and funerals which aren't in the context of a mass, so in the services. 
So I've been blessed to be able to do a few of those so far over the last six months. So that's mm. been great experiences, especially the weddings. You're there at a very joyful moment yeah. in yeah. a couple's life. The funerals as well, journeying with those people and their grief. So that's always a bit more challenging. Mm. Yeah. For that has been um, obviously something that's been a learning experience and trying to really be Christ in those moments, mm. I suppose. Mm. And then baptisms, lots of baptisms. <laughs> so basically at the cathedral, they've been getting me to look after pretty much all of the baptism preps for first baptisms. So okay. you get to meet these young couples, you know, with their newborns. And it's, um, yeah, that is a really joyful thing to be a part of, you know, that, that moment where God's grace really comes into a person's soul. So those are just some of the things that a deacon does. Also helping out at the schools, nursing homes, um, well, not so much the nursing homes at the moment, but um, especially the schools going over there to sort of teach classes and help out with the school teachers and do some things over, especially St. Joseph's, our local school. Mm, mm. So that's um, just a few things that you sort of get up to on a regular day. Yep. Fantastic, fantastic. When I was a deacon at, um, at Griffith, which is the Father After, mm-hmm. and um, one day Father After said to me, do you know what deacon means in, in Greek? Uh, Sean, oh, yeah, servant. He goes, that's right, and don't you, <laughs> and don't you forget it, servant. <laughs> Wash my dishes, do me clothes. Yeah, I yeah. don't think it means servant like that. No, father. no. <laughs> well, that's the distinction I was trying to sell to them. It's, it's men's there. It talks about service at the altar. The other service, well, <laughs> let's just, let's just, yeah, let's be clear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's say, let's get our distinctions right. That's right. <laughs> what would you say is your favourite part? about being a deacon or have you got like a, a, a particular thing that you get to do that is your absolute highlight? Absolute highlight. Well, at the moment, I suppose, especially preparing for priestly ordination, it's always, you know, in the mass. So being able to be so close at the sacrifice there, at the consecration, those sorts of moments. But I guess for specifically things that a deacon can do with the baptisms, that's probably been the the moments that I've really loved the most. It's... um. It's a very powerful thing to be so close to where God's grace and the Holy Spirit are really entering into someone's life. So that's probably been the area that I've probably found the greatest highlight so far, absolutely. What's been the most challenging part or a challenging part? A challenging part. Probably having to do things for the first time, I guess... um, Naturally, I'm probably a bit more of a perfectionist, so you can sort of want to do things exactly right the first time. And that makes doing things for the first time probably a little challenging because you want to get it so right. And then instead of trying to probably allow the room for God to work in the midst of it, Mm. you can start to focus on, yeah, I've got to do this right. Right, right. So that does make sometimes, yeah, doing things for the first time challenging. So I remember, yeah, my first funeral up all night stressing about it and all that sort of thing you know you want to you know help a grieving family and also say the right things when you're preaching Mm. but um then you sort of have to go no take it to prayer hand it over to the lord that's sort of and that obviously is the the great help there Mm. Mm. what about spare time Spare time. I haven't had all that much spare time (laughs) at the cathedral. No, it's um, spare time I like to read, so I enjoy reading novels in my spare time, especially um, Russian writing because my great-grandfather was Russian, so I've always had an interest in Russian history and things like that. So um, especially Tolstoy, Dostoyevsky, those sorts of literature I do enjoy reading. Um, I enjoy going for walks as well. So we've got some great walks around yeah, um, the Wagga area. And 
catching up with friends as as well is another thing that I love to do, especially the other young adults in the parish. So just even if it's just to catch up for a coffee and have a chat or go on a bushwalk somewhere, yeah, those yeah. are some of the things that I do enjoy doing in my spare time. Um, look, tell us about your story. Uh, what did your early years of being Catholic, Christian look like for you? Okay. So from as early as I can remember, my family, and I was very blessed with this, were deeply devout, very Catholic family. My dad went to daily mass and would bring the rest of us along as well for that, nightly rosary. So the faith was always a very deep and important part of our family life. So I guess that's sort of the the perfect seedbed in a way. So the family, in a way, is the first seminary. It's the domestic church. So... In the midst of that, I sort of, as early as I can remember, I wanted to be a priest. So it was something that was there from the very beginning. I used to yeah, play mass, dress up like mm. a priest and go to the lounge room. You'd get the crackers out and <laughs> some grape juice and you'd be there getting the younger brothers and sisters to um, be the old servers <laughs> and do all the other roles, even pretend to hear their confessions. <laughs> I hope they were making the stuff up for that sort of thing, but anyway. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so as early as I can remember, faith played a very big part in our, in our family life, and that was as early as Alice Springs. So born in Alice Springs, and for a year, actually, while we lived in Alice Springs, we lived out on an Aboriginal community because my dad used to do a lot of work with Aboriginals and giving them jobs and trying to help out in that area especially. So that would have been when I was about five or six and that was something I do remember very well and it sort of, I think it helped me to be more open to maybe living a life that was given a bit more to service because when you see your parents involved in that sort of thing, it does help a lot. Um, And then probably the best decision my family ever made was, yeah, moving down to Wagga. Um, The whole reason was basically for the faith. Dad wanted a place where the family could have a good upbringing and hopefully, yeah, have those opportunities to really be, I guess, educated and be surrounded by good Catholic influence. And Wagga definitely did provide that. So we lived in Wagga for a few years and during that time I learnt to alter serve here at the seminary, Mm -hmm. um, Vianney College, so that was a great opportunity. I refer to that as my minor seminary days. (laughs) (laughs) So sort of an early education in uh, all those sorts of things, which was very, very helpful in having those first sort of assistance in I guess even discerning a vocation at that Mm. age because it does start very young and then as time went on we decided to move down to Albury because it was better for my family's business so my family owner generated business that supplies for like mining companies and all Mm. that Mm. Um, irrigation pumping um, center pivots so for farms Um, so we moved down to Albury for that reason but as with all teenagers when you get to sort of that high school age you start to go for a stage where you, you want to do your own thing. So even though I was still, you know, very involved, altar-serving, I was praying with my family, doing all those sorts of things, um, I started to really consider I want to do something else with my life. I want to do what I want to do, basically. So as time went on, I started thinking more about becoming a, a lawyer, commercial law especially, that really interested me. And my probably my devotion itself, like I always went along with my family, pray the rosary, daily mass, but my own personal devotion wasn't really there. Mm -hmm. It became more of I was doing the faith rather than living it. Right, right. So as time went on, did my HSC and I made the decision to go away to 
Melbourne to study at Deakin University and I studied commerce law there for the one year and got very caught up in the uni life, I think as many do, you know, you go to all the parties and you want to enjoy and make all those friends and very enjoyable sort of few months there. But it was during that time I started to realise that I didn't really feel fulfilled, Mm, wasn't happy, was really starting to question, you know, is this really what I want to do with my life? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I remember distinctly sitting on a bus and travelling along and it was at that stage where I started to go, hang on a sec, I've been constantly for the last few years asking what do I want to do? Well, what does God want me to do? Mm. So that was that question that I was sort of thinking about during this bus trip and then I realised I'm the only person on this bus. That's the first time this has ever happened in <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> so nice experience. <laughs> But as I was driving along, I remember distinctly that the bus pulled up at a um, stoplight lights. And I looked out and there was a little church and, you know, those little signs they have out the front. Mm. Sure. There was a little sign that said, come to me, I'll give you rest. Aww. So <laughs> it was at that moment that I went, yep, I, I, I want to be a priest. I want to give my life to God. Aww. And I think that's what he's calling me to do. So from that moment, I rang the seminary the next morning. I remember speaking to Father Peter Thompson and first thing I said is, oh, Father, I think God's calling me to be a priest. And I remember him saying, um, oh, who's that calling? <laughs> 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 uh, this is, oh, yeah. is Connell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Your voice deepened a little bit from the last time that he mentioned you. See, that's, that's, <laughs> that's right, that's right. I just assumed he'd know who I was. <laughs> so um, that was, yeah, quite a funny moment. But then... I've, uh, from that stage, you have sort of the discernment process that included visiting the seminary, talking to the bishop, and he was good enough. I'd known Bishop Jared Hanna since he since I was young. He'd confirmed mm. me and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm. So that was sort of a moment. Um, going through that was great, and then made the decision, was accepted into the seminary, and seven years in the seminary, which we know there a lot happens in seven yes. years in the seminary. <laughs> yes, yes, it does. It does indeed. Um, okay, and, and what was, in your experience, what was seminary life like? It was great. So I, I found seminary life, especially my first year, I found that to be a really beautiful time because the first year spo- focused very much on the spiritual year. So mm. it's very much focused on coming closer to Christ, seeing who you are, as Bishop Mark talks about very strongly, seeing who you are in the eyes of God. So you obviously feel that tremendous love he has for you and then you want to reciprocate that, obviously, which is um, something, it's a daily thing that you try to grow in. But, uh, yeah, the first year, wonderful. I had a wonderful group of first-year seminarians. There were seven of us, I think, that started out. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was the only one that ended up making it through, I think, out of that group. Um, So. Um, I don't know if that was my fault or anything, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, seminary life was wonderful. I, I guess also there are stages when you do have doubts about your vocation, and I think that's actually a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it shows that the discernment process is actually working because there will be stages where you will get tested during yeah. that yeah. time. Mm. You'll start to question, you know, is this really what God called me to do? especially that halfway stage, you haven't sort of gotten quite all the way, sort of the initial um, newness of it all's worn off. Mm. So you sort of then you mm. have to get to that perseverance stage a little bit. Um, so I do remember that distinctly my third year I found very difficult in that, you know, you're really in the midst of philosophy, which can be difficult studying that. 
but also just trying to discern and those, that's where a spiritual director helps mm. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So I found that to be a great um, help during that time to be able to open up to someone and then they can sort of give you a more objective sort of point of view. So that certainly helped me during the more difficult stages. And then, yeah, more recently um, it's sort of growing in that sort of trying to realise becoming a father, I suppose, because um, most of your seminary life you're, you're a brother to people and that's a lot easier than being a father. Mm-hmm. So sort of trying to grow into that role has been the new challenge in a way and it's something, you know, obviously it'll take time because I'm still quite young, only 26, sure. but uh, that's something that I was very grateful for the seminary sort of helping me to grow in that area especially, yeah. Mm. Nice. So I guess there then, there's there's two questions I have in mind and I'm going to see if I can remember both of them by the time <laughs> I get through the first one. The first one is you, you spoke there about the doubts in uh, about third, fourth year. Mm-hmm. What would you say was the difference between the doubting at that point and the asking the question, you know, what do you want me to do? What am I meant to do with my life pre-entering seminary? Ah, oh, very good. Good question. So... The first one was a bit more of a larger life one, whereas the ones in the seminary, very often, it's it's really because you're trying to run away from that original calling. So, And that's normally got to do with so many other things than becoming a priest. It's more about, oh, I've got maybe this little problem in the seminary or this little personal struggle. And then because of that, you try to almost say, oh, well, because of that, I'm not called to be a priest. Ah, well, that's right. what I found. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. So in a way, it was trying to run away from the cross, I guess, because you know, it's easy to become a priest with the great joys that come with it. But when the cross comes, I think this comes with any vocation, you immediately go, oh, hang on, Lord, this is what I'm not what I signed up <laughs> for originally. <laughs> but as time goes on, it's actually in the crosses where you start to really see that that's where God works and just learn to, I suppose, embrace it. And when you sort of go with that outlook, then it does become a lot easier mm. and you start to mm. love God in the midst of all of that. Mm. That was a, a actually, uh, that's a very, very fine point. Uh, that initial call is more broad. It's, it's, it's more of a life call. But, you know, you, you often get seminarians who do say, oh, I think I'm, I meant to leave the seminary. It's like, well, why don't you wait till after exams before you... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like, it's, it's, it's yeah. fine. Fair call. The, yeah. Fair call. Uh, you had a second question. Oh, I did. The second question was, you mentioned there about priesthood and fatherhood. When you originally felt the call, and even as a child you spoke about, you know, having hopes of, of being a priest, what did that actually mean for you as a child as opposed to now when you're looking at... Okay. You know, actually entering into fatherhood. What, what does that actually mean like for you? I guess as a young kid, I was very much impressed with what priests did. So, and that's initially what you sort of are attracted to. So seeing a priest do the mass, you, you want to do the mass. You see, go to confession as a young boy, you want to do what the priest does. Mm. Whereas as time goes on, it becomes more of you've got to be another Christ, which then it becomes part of who you are rather than just what you do. Mm. So uh, that's what I found is that as your journey goes along, I suppose it is for any vocation, it becomes more about who you are than just what you do. Mm. And so as time goes on, you sort of have to sort of let go of a lot of things in yourself to be able to allow room for Christ to really take over you, which is what the priesthood is. At the end of the day, you're another Christ and you're called to be the best version of Christ that you can possibly be now because we're all going to be different versions of that. So, mm. um, And that's learning like how you can do that. So I think that's yeah, the difference between the two, difference between what 
you do and then who you are. Mm. 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 What's influenced your spirituality? What's influenced my spirituality? I could say a lot of different things. Um, my own family, I suppose, helped a lot. Mm. Um, my father's deeply Marian, so that helped me with my own love of Our Lady, seeing you know, your father kneel there and pray the rosary. You know, that's something that inspires you to want to do that yourself. Mm. Um, seeing your mother, the way she receives the Eucharist, you know, that's something that inspires you, your own devotion for the Eucharist. So I think family plays a big role in inspiring spirituality. Um, for myself, um, I found Opus Day as well has helped me a lot in my own spirituality. Mm. Just the idea of sanctifying your daily ordinary life. And for someone as ordinary as myself, that, that gives you hope that even you can become a saint. Right, right. I right. mean, so that's yeah. um, definitely yeah. helped me. And it's uh, the formation that it's given me and helped me to be able to have a plan of life and make what's a very broad idea of becoming a saint very practical and mm. that it plays out in your everyday experience and that's something that's helped me a lot because I can be a, sometimes you can be a little bit idealistic and that's sure, you know it's sure. all these lovely ideas but then how does it play out in the yeah. reality so in my own life I find that yeah the writings of Saint Jose Maria who my favorite saint by far, <laughs> yep. out of the many many favorite saints um, he's uh, helped me a lot in my own spiritual yeah. development that's brilliant I think that comes back to what you were saying before. You were saying, you know, it's it's in any vocation, it's 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 less about what you do and more about who you are. Mm. Uh, and and so this this you know where we're called and meant to be saints, and that impact of of who I am is is in my daily grind. You know, whether or not I'm for Christ in my daily grind, or if I'm I'm for myself, or you know, and and. Uh, to sanctify the daily grind is 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 uh, that's where that who happens exactly. It's where the who and the what meet, sort yeah, of thing. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. That's where it all plays out. Absolutely, yeah. and it it does make you know the the most natural things can become supernatural, which is wonderful because that's what Christ did. You know, he was God, he became man, and so through that, you know, we're we're able to do that as well. You know, God mm. becomes man, so that man can become God at the end of the day, or become like God. Yeah. Like it. Yeah, we might unpack that a bit more in our Patreon exclusive um, section. So for those of you who are listening, if you jump over to our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash living fullness and um, join up to one of the tiers, you'll be able to access some exclusive content, including more deeper conversations with our guests. One little thing I was going to ask too, could you, uh, what message would you want to give to a young man? who is considering the call to the priesthood, but really to any vocation, you know, to, to, to anyone who's, who's, anybody who is discerning a vocation, what, what would you want to tell them? Okay. It's, um, it's okay to be confused. That's probably the first thing, because I think um, there's this idea that we need to have the answer straight away. And that's not going to happen a lot of the time. It's normally a very gradual process. So you've got to trust God in that process. It's not something... There are some people, and they're very rare, that have had thunderbolt moments. But for most of us, it's, it's a gradual um, thing. So patience is a big part of it and being open to hearing God's voice. So the first thing is to try and let go of, yeah, like I suppose my own journey, what I want to do and to try and listen to what God wants. And that has to come through prayer. Mm. So the first step is to allow that time to really listen to God because 
It's very important to say vocal prayers, but it's even more important in a way to flow from that that we listen to God in our silent personal prayer. Right. Mm. Right. And so that involves trying to have a personal relationship with our Lord. Mm. So that comes in silence, listening to him just through normal conversation because um, that's what prayer is at the end of the day. It's when two friends come together and our great friend is our Lord and you open up to him. Mm. And so it's okay to say to him, I'm confused. I don't know what you want me to do and um, I want to know now, but I'm going <laughs> to trust this and I'm going to listen, <laughs> which I have yeah. said to him myself on many occasions. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, my advice would be, yeah, take that time to pray and be patient. It's It mm. will take time and it's, yeah, Take that time. Yeah. Well, you're on the Living Fullness podcast, so we have to ask, what is one aspect that you think is necessary to live life to the full? To live life to the full. Well, the first and foremost thing, obviously, is the faith. I, I, that is the thing that has gotten me through absolutely everything in my own life. And it, it really is through the faith and it's through coming to that relationship with, our, with God through that. That's how we live life to the full. We're ultimately, we're made for God. And until we sort of try to start realising that, the, the fullness in our life isn't going to be very full mm. at the end yeah. of the day. Mm. Sure. It's, um, life can be very empty without God. And so through trying to come closer to him and we've got, we've got the, our Catholic faith to guide us through that, that is really how we start to live life to the full. And living life to the full, it's, it's ultimately the journey towards happiness, isn't it? Mm. Like that's mm. what we're all seeking at the end mm-hmm. of the day. Mm-hmm. And so many of us, um, myself at different little stages in my own life, we try to seek it in so many other areas. But as soon as we start to realise that that can only be found in, in God and we start to open up happiness in our lives that we never thought we could open up. Yeah. So I think yeah. that's uh, important. So true. So true. On a more natural level, um, I think it's having good relationships with other people as well. Um, we're naturally social, so we, we need that mm. aspect. You know, We're meant to be in relationship with God. We're meant to be also in relationship with others, aren't we? Yeah. So I think that's very important to living life to the full. So with myself, I've found having a good relationship with my family um, has been very helpful. And if you've got those good relationships, you will hopefully start living life to the full. Mm. Mm. But even those friendships, you know, friendships are a very important part of having that and you can have lots and lots of friends, but I think it's good also to have a few close friends mm. who you can really open up to and share very close moments together. Mm. And, you know, they can be very natural and fun moments as well and that'll help you to live life to yeah. the full. Yeah. Mm. Good friendship sort of... It kind of takes you back to the source, doesn't it? It's sort of if 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 you think about our own ministry as being Christ to other people, yeah. one of the reasons that I think one of the, the fundamental reasons that that a priest needs friends is that he needs the same ministry to be done to him. Yes, uh, <laughs> he needs other Christs in his life to bring him absolutely to bring him to God, and that yeah. takes the form of other priests, but it also takes the form of of, of good lay people as well. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Can you imagine how amazing the world would be if there were so many other Christs and people trying to be other Christs to each other? Like, oh, oh the, the potential there. If the world was filled. <laughs> Incredible. Goals. 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 That that's it? right. Goals. <laughs> Life goals. Yeah. Yeah. In a previous conversation, you also mentioned to me that you love to work with families and with young people. Absolutely. Maybe you can share a bit about, you know, what, what is it about families and, and young people that strikes you that you are passionate about working with? 
Absolutely. So I guess with families, that's the that's the building blocks of society. It's the first seminary. It's the first church, really, for most people that have been brought up in the church. So I believe that's something we need to support wholeheartedly, and it's it's something that at our current time very often is very much under attack. So mm. as Pope John mm. Paul II would say, it's something that we really need to protect and give all our support to. I guess my own experience in my own family, and I, I probably go back to my own family quite course, a bit, but that's, that's yeah. something that really showed me just how important a family is to be able to help you in your own journey because of that support you give to each other. Because I'm the oldest of nine, so I've got four brothers and four sisters, so it's just wonderful to have that own support. So it's something that I'm very passionate about that you can you know, give that support to families to help them in educating children in their faith and also to give them you know, help when they need it in their own difficulties because families obviously are facing challenges that are, are new and that families obviously in previous generations yeah. have never had to face right, before. Right, right. And um, it's something that we can hopefully help out with as much as possible. With young people, it's, it's seeing the potential they have and trying to help yeah. them realise that. <laughs> yeah. Like that's something I... Uh, it's just, even when you go into teach a class with just young students, seeing them, you know, be able to give those answers and then seeing them have that natural response to loving our Lord, which is so innocent and so beautiful. Yeah. You know, it's something you, yeah. we wish we could have, I mm. think, Right, very often. right, yeah. So yeah. it's something that I very much would love to help out with more. Um, and with youth especially, because... I think youth, it's, it's a very confusing time. So being able to give them Christ so they can you know, come to him ultimately at the end of the day, but also to help them to be able to navigate all the problems and things that come up. Right, mm. right. Um, you, you made mention of, of the challenges which, which families face. Um, in, in, in one sense, challenges... Um, at their core, they never really change. They're the same. They're the same things that have have uh, always plagued us throughout history. But it, it seems that they've taken on a more violent face um, now. So that we can kind of say, in a certain sense, that young people now are facing challenges that that even even you when you were you know uh, going through school didn't have to didn't have to face. That even Absolutely. we didn't have to face from going through school. You mm. know, it was. Um, and, and and in both cases, that's not that long ago. No. What do you think some of those challenges are and what would you say to families in responding to some of those challenges? Okay, yes. So obviously the big one today is we've got a lot of broken families, so single-parent families, mixed families, and that does make it a lot harder for children who may have to sort of navigate those sorts of things. So we're living in a time where that's the norm for most kids in most families. Mm -hmm. And I think in some ways um, we can be a little unprepared as clergy, sometimes going out to work with these situations because, you know, most of us, well, maybe not most of us, but a lot of us come from the classic sort of traditional family mould. So it's helpful to sort of work with these families to understand the challenges they face first off. Um... I guess for younger people, the constant bombardment with you know, social media, entertainment, inappropriate things on the internet, mm. those sorts of things that they have to face, um, it makes it a lot harder for them to understand how relationships work, um, to understand um, even silence. Mm. 
Mm. So you, you get a room now and um, just to have a moment's silence is almost challenging for these yeah. um, younger people. And, you know, you've got, always got to have the music in the ear, which doesn't get, leave a lot of room for God. Mm. So I guess for families, it's um, acknowledging first off that there are those problems there. Because I think if we sort of don't acknowledge the problem first, you can't face yeah. it, can you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I think um, acknowledging that there are maybe challenges or problems there. And then once those are sort of identified, well, taking the steps to be able to overcome them. And also, like we said before, that takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And it's, it's something that a whole family can do together. So a simple thing can be, I guess, with problems on the internet, for example, having very specific sort of boundaries and things to make sure that you're protecting your children that way. Right, right. So just shifting gears a little bit, and looking to your relationship with Christ, um, what is the, I suppose, the, the, the current season that he's calling you to and, and, and what is it exactly that he's calling you into at this moment? Right at this moment. So I think preparing for priestly ordination, he's asking me to give him my whole self. Mm. And so initially when you realise that for the first time that it does involve giving your whole soul, that's a bit scary. <laughs> a bit overwhelming. <laughs> a bit overwhelming. But then coming to the understanding that that's because he loves you so much and that's why he created you, that gives mm. you the confidence to be able to do that. Right. So right. with my own relationship with Christ, it's finding that time to really enter into deep prayer with him. Like that's so important, like for, mm. for a priest or for any person, you know, taking that time to have deep personal prayer with him because you, it's not much of a relationship if you don't talk with someone. Yes. <laughs> so exactly. <laughs> um, that's the big thing I've found. And um, I guess that vocation to be a priest, but then finding that vocation within the vocation, you know, what, how is God calling me to live that out? And I think that's something that slowly unfolds. Like if you look at some of the great saints, St. Teresa of Avila, she was close to 40 before she finally figured out how to pray properly. Right, so right. it's it's good to realise that, you know, you can take time to figure all of that out. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And and th- there are there are many times uh, where, you know, you, you sort of... Um, I remember Father Armstrong saying that as you're, as you're discovering the, the, the vocation within the vocation... There are these times where you have this what yeah. moment, like, are you sure? <laughs> really? <laughs> I okay. remember him saying that. You know. <laughs> Classic uh, Father Scott Armstrong. Right. <laughs> but God knows what he's doing, and uh, yeah. Uh, so, look, you, you are, when this episode is released, as we said earlier, you know, you'll be literally a few days out from being ordained. Um, look, how does it feel to be so close? It's awesome. Um, yeah. I, I suppose yeah. it's, it's, it's felt like it's gone so quick, the seminary time, but it also feels like it's taken forever. So yeah. it's like, I don't know quite how to describe that feeling, but at some stages, yeah. So I, I think if you'd asked me a year ago, I would have said I don't think I was ready for ordination. But now I think I'm at a stage where you just want to start going out and doing that priestly yeah. work. So yeah. I, I can't wait for that. So very much excited for it. Obviously with the whole restrictions and lockdowns that we have at the moment it's very much changed how the ordination itself is going to look but it's probably been a good purification process in a way because you can get very hung up on you know the big day you know the ordination day for sure for sure but it's probably helped me to realize that 
yep, that's a day, but the real thing starts the day after. Yeah. 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 yeah so the future true. ahead. So, so true. I'm very much looking forward to that. That's very exciting. That's great. What are you doing to prepare? What am I doing to prepare? So I recently went on a retreat. So as part of your preparation, you go away for a retreat. So the way that worked was I had to beat a border lockdown to go in, a border restriction to go down to Victoria and then had to beat a state lockdown to come back to <laughs> New South Wales. <laughs> so I managed to get my five days in between that, which was oh, amazing. Wow. So that well was done. providential. Well providential. Done. Yep. Um, so good that job. was an oh, amazing good job. Yep, good job God. <laughs> God is good. So um, that's part of the preparations. So that was a really a time to really enter into prayer and go through those final resolutions you want to make to prepare for priesthood. Mm. Um, doing mass practice. So you try and practice mass every day. Um, I'll come and see the rector and Father Kevin O'Reilly, so they're both going to give me a few lessons in how to say Mass, so we should get Very the good. best of both worlds. Yeah. And then part of it as well, you do a faculties exam for um, confessions, so that's something where you sort of got to remember the formula mm. of absolution, you also um, the reserved sins and also just all that sort of thing. So you better organise it at some point. Yeah, that, that, that would be good. <laughs> <laughs> I remember talking to the rector a month ago and I'm like, it still hasn't happened. Still <laughs> <laughs> my time, right? Oh, yeah. yep. <laughs> I'll, I'll remind the rector. That'd be great. <laughs> so if, I mean, obviously the two of us will be praying for you uh, in the lead up especially, but if our followers would like to jump in and would love to be able to pray for you as well, is there anything in particular that we should be praying for in, in the lead-up. Okay. And after. Okay, well, I suppose the most broad and general one is that I can be a good, faithful and holy priest. Um, a priest who really lives the love of the heart of Jesus. That's our seminary motto. That was what John Vianney said a priest is. So that's something I, I really would love to be able to do. So maybe so I could, praying that I can live out the love of the heart of Jesus as a priest. Beautiful. Excellent. Can do. That would be yeah. wonderful. Thank <laughs> you so much. Yeah. yeah. Really appreciate that. And I'll be praying for all of you as well. Thank <laughs> you. Yeah, that thank would be you. great. Thank you. Well, thanks for being on our podcast today. Wonderful. Yes. Thank you for having me. This it's been actually really, really good. I've enjoyed it. Good. Fantastic to have good. you with us. We asked um, Connell a while ago now, would you jump on the podcast? And the first answer was, oh, maybe wait till I'm a priest. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Need that grace of ordination. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm so glad you came. No, yeah. Thank you for having yeah. me. It's been really Absolutely. good. I'm sorry for putting it off for so long. No. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. This was the appointed time. That's it. Good, That's good. It. Well, we were joking at the cathedral that you've had the bishop, you've had Father Reese, you've had the bishop, you had the priest, now you're scraping the barrel, you've got the deacon now. <laughs> so that's all good. <laughs> so uh, we've got there. <laughs> well, we, we have a little series of, of fun questions. Okay, good. You. Good. Um, Stine, do you want to kick us off? Sure. First one, tea or coffee? Tea or coffee? Okay, both, because you've got to have a coffee as soon as you get up. As soon as you get up in the morning, I have a coffee, and then tea for the rest of the day. Oh. <laughs> I feel like you just cheated, but it was like a legitimate cheating. I don't, I, I, Diplomatic response. I don't know how I feel about that as a response. I was. We're very divided on this one. So. Okay, so what are you? Your t- I'm coffee. coffee. Coffee, that's all right. The way. And tea. No, tea. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's why I'm sitting on the <laughs> Exactly. Uh, introvert or extrovert? Okay, well, I've done multiple tests on this, and I've spoken to like the psychologist that we had to do, like our seminary psychologist and that. Mm. And I think I'm a bit of both. Like I enjoy like 
being out with people and I get energized by that. But then sometimes I also need to go back and be energized through like alone time. So I, I think I'm a weird mixture of both. <laughs> sure. I'm not really sure. sure. I think that's probably most of us. Okay. Yeah. Most of yeah. us are probably weird mixtures of both. Yeah. 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 What about a favorite book or a movie? Favourite book, okay, War and Peace, best book of all time by Tolstoy. Love that. I've read that a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, just how it captures, you know, it's an epic book. It just captures so much. It's uh, it's wonderful. Favourite movie? Oh, you kind of betray yourself a bit when you say your favourite movie. <laughs> um, I've enjoyed Pirates of the Caribbean. That was probably my favourite oh. movies growing up. Loved yep. the, the, the comedy yep. and that sort yep. of thing and just the epicness of it. So Pirates of the Caribbean Pirates is definitely the Caribbean, up there. Then. <laughs> It's, 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 that's a pretty good film. And the music's great. The oh, music yeah, is yeah, great. Yeah. It yeah. is. It yeah. is. Yeah. You become the patron saint of something. What is that something? Okay, the patron saint of something. Oh, let me see. Is there an area that we don't have a patron saint <laughs> for something? You need to think of something really modern. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe patron. Can we say patron saint of Wagga? Maybe that'd be pretty good. Oh, eh? that would no, be no, cool. No. <laughs> Wagga would that's, be pretty that's, good. That's like high. That's high aims. High, high aims. aims man. That's, that's fantastic. Aim high, that's, that's right. That's you know. Actually, we, we need. Do we have a patron saint for social media? Maybe that'd be a pretty good one to be a patron <gasps> saint for. Is there a patron saint know. for social I, media? I don't know. I reckon. I reckon. Blessed Carlo Acutis might be close. Yeah, might, might wind up. That's true. Yeah, that. he, he's, yeah, he's beat me to it. I, I think so. Need Look, it's not a competition. You don't just have to have <laughs> I just, just need to die exclusive. a bit younger. <laughs> <laughs> you could share it with somebody, you know. That's true. That's true. Well, then uh, we can share patron saint for youth. That'd be pretty cool. Okay. 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 All right. All right. That's cool. Right. That's Excellent. cool. Excellent. You're trapped on a desert island and you can only have three things. What would those three things be? I only allowed three things. So I'd need to have my breviary because that's kind of an obligation. So that <laughs> needs to be there. <laughs> Quick um, so I need your breviary. Um, I probably keep my phone because I have all my prayers and devotions on that. So that oh. could be helpful. Okay. And you can still kind of try to do evangelization on social media through that. So you're kind of still connected. And, oh, a second, a third thing. I suppose if you're trapped on a desert island, you need a never-ending supply of food. So maybe <laughs> that, that just to stay alive, <laughs> so that might be helpful. Pack it of Tim Tams. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep. um, your favourite quality in your friends? Favourite quality? Um, my favourite quality in friends would have to be cheerfulness. That um, when you see that in someone else, it naturally lifts you, I mm. find. And that's definitely something I value very much in other people. If they're cheerful, it's also a sign that, yeah, they sort of hopefully, you know, they enjoy being around you as well. So that's mm. something I, mm. I value very much. Nice, nice. What's one thing people misunderstand about you? One thing they misunderstand about me? Okay. Oh, maybe that I'm a bit, uh, I can be a bit authoritarian sometimes, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's the part of being an oldest brother. Oh, so sure. So my, my family sure. sometimes, my brothers and sisters say, oh, yeah, you're so bossy sometimes. <laughs> so maybe, I think that's a misunderstanding. It could be true, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I'll have to watch out for this one. So no, no, I've been working on that. <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, what was the last thing you belly laughed about? Last thing I belly laughed about... Oh, let me see. It was probably something in the presbytery, some joke there that maybe Father Kevin had said. <laughs> he uh, normally comes out with these little uh, witty sayings or like comments and yeah, they, they definitely get me a good <laughs> laugh. 
And the last question is, what inspires you and makes you feel like your best self? What inspires me? I guess the thing that inspires me the most is obviously Christ um, and his saints. I suppose the, the saints are the ones who inspire me to be a, like Christ. They sort of, seeing how they were able to follow him and in their own way, inspires me hopefully that I can do that as well mm. and so that's why I suppose yeah I've got a list of most favorite saints <laughs> <laughs> many many of them and people are like oh you're only allowed a few I'm like no no you can have as many as you <laughs> Take want them all. <laughs> so no that's um, something that I they inspire me very much the mm. saints reading the lives of the saints and trying to emulate little things that I can in my own life and then hopefully that'll help me to be another Christ at the end mm. of the day because mm. that's the aim nice Nice. Beautiful. Well, this brings us to the end of our our, our podcast interview today. Uh, thank you once again for being with us. Thank you very much. I've enjoyed it immensely. And I've, I enjoy your podcast as well. I watch it myself. And it's, uh, it's a bit like being a fan. You come on something you're a fan of. It's kind of <laughs> special. So thank you for having me. It's been really wonderful. It's no been a pleasure having you. Thanks to everyone who's been watching on our YouTube channel, listening in through your e-piece in your car or in your home, wherever you're listening from. Thanks so much for joining us for another episode. Make sure you jump over to our social media pages, either Virtue Ministry on Facebook or Living Fullness on Instagram. Make sure that you stay tuned. And until next time... All that love and God bless.